Chapter Twenty Four of The Secret Service by Albert Richardson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Greg Giordano. Chapter Twenty Four. Our doubts are traitors, and make us lose the good we oft might win by fearing to attempt. Measure for Measure in a lull of the musketry during the battle of antietam mcclellan rode forward toward the front on the way he met a massachusetts general who was his old friend and classmate gordon he asked how are your men they have behaved admirably replied gordon but they are now somewhat scattered collect them at once we must fight to-night and fight to-morrow this is our golden opportunity. If we cannot whip the rebels here, we may just as well all die on the field. The Day After the Battle That was the spirit of the whole army. It was universally expected that McClellan would renew the attack at daylight the next morning. But, though he had many thousand fresh men, and defeat could only be repulsed to him, while to the enemy with the river in his rear it would be ruin his constitutional timidity prevented it was the costliest of mistakes thursday proved a day of rest such rest as can be found with three miles of dead men to bury and thousands of wounded to bring from the field it was a day of standing on the line where the battle closed of intermittent sharpshooting and discharges of artillery, but no general skirmishing or attempt to advance on either side. Riding out to the front of General Couch's line, I found the rebels and our own soldiers mingling freely on the disputed ground, bearing away the wounded. I was scanning a rebel battery with my field glass at the distance of a quarter of a mile, when one of our pickets exclaimed, put up your glass sir the johnnies will shoot in a minute if they see you using it in front of hancock's lines a flag of truce was raised hancock erect and soldierly with smooth face light eyes and brown hair the finest looking general in our service accompanied by meagre rode forward into a cornfield and met the young fire-eating brigadier of the rebels roger a pryor Pryor insisted that he had seen a white flag on our front, and asked if we desired permission to remove our dead and wounded. Hancock indignantly denied that we had asked for a truce, as we claimed the ground, stating that, through the whole day, we had been removing and ministering to both Union and Rebel wounded. He suggested a cessation of sharp shooting until this work could be completed. Pryor declined this, and in ten minutes the firing reopened. A great victory, said Wellington, is the most awful thing in the world, except a great defeat. Antietam, though not an entire victory, had all its terrific features. Our casualties footed up to 12,352, of whom about 2,000 were killed on the field down among the dead men between the fences of a road immediately beyond the cornfield 
in a space one hundred yards long i counted more than two hundred rebel dead lying where they fell elsewhere over many acres they were strewn singly in groups and occasionally in masses piled up almost like cordwood they were lying some with the human form undistinguishable others with no outward indication of wounds in all the strange positions of violent death all had blackened faces there were forms with every rigid muscle strained in fierce agony and those with hands folded peacefully upon the bosom some still clutching their guns others with arm upraised and one with a single open finger pointing to heaven several remained hanging over a fence which they were climbing when the fatal shot struck them it was several days before all the wounded were removed from the field many were shockingly mutilated but the most revolting spectacle i saw was that of a soldier with three fingers cut off by a bullet leaving ragged bloody shreds of flesh lee permitted to escape on thursday night the sun went down with the opposing forces face to face and their pickets within stone's throw of each other on friday morning the rebel army was in virginia the national army in maryland between dark and daylight lee evacuated the position and carried his whole army across the river he had no empty breastworks with which to endow us but he left the field ploughed with shot watered with blood and sown thick with dead we found the debris of his late camps two disabled pieces of artillery a few hundred of his stragglers two thousand of his wounded and as many more of his unburied dead but not a single field piece or caisson ambulance or wagon not a tent a box of stores or a pound of ammunition he carried with him the supplies gathered in maryland and the rich spoils of harper's ferry it was a very bitter disappointment to the army and the country the john brown engine house Bolivar heights maryland september twenty five eighteen sixty two adieu to western maryland with the staunch loyalty of its suffering people adieu to sharpsburg which cut to pieces by our own shot and shell as no other village in america ever was gave us the warm welcome that comes from the heart adieu to the drenched field of antietam with its glorious wednesday writing for our army a record than which nothing brighter shines through history with its fatal thursday permitting the clean leisurely escape of the foe down into the valley across the difficult ford and up the virginia heights our army might have been driven back it could never have been captured or cut to pieces failure was only repulse success was crowning decisive final victory the enemy saw this and walked undisturbed out of the snare three days ago our army moved down the left bank of the potomac climbing the narrow tortuous road that winds around the foot of the mountains under maryland heights across the long crooked ford above the blackened timbers of the railroad bridge then up among the long bare deserted walls of the ruined government armory 
past the engine-house which old john brown made historic up through the dingy antique oriental-looking town of harper's ferry sadly worn almost washed away by the ebb and flow of war up through the village of bolivar to these heights where we pitched our tents behind and below us rushed the gleaming river till its dark shining surface was broken by rocks across it came a line of our stragglers wading to the knees with staggering steps beyond it the broad forest-clad maryland heights rose gloomy and sombre down behind me to the river winding across it like a slender s then extending for half a mile on the other side far up along the maryland hill stretched a division train of snowy wagons standing out in strong relief from the dark background of water and mountain two weeks ago shots exchanged between the army of slavery and the army of freedom shrieked and screamed over the engine house where for two days old john brown held the state of virginia at bay a week ago its walls were again shaken by the thunders of cannonade when the armies met in fruitless battle last night within rifle shot of it the president's proclamation of emancipation was heard gladly among thirty thousand soldiers president lincoln reviews the army october two president lincoln arrived here yesterday and reviewed the troops accompanied by mcclellan sumner hancock meagre and other generals he appeared in black wearing a silk hat and his tall slender form and plain clothing contrasted strangely with the broad shoulders and the blue and gold of the major general commanding he is unusually thin and silent and looks weary and careworn he regarded the old engine house with great interest it reminded him he said of the illinois custom of naming locomotives after fleet animals such as the reindeer the antelope the flying dutchman etc at the time of the john brown raid a new locomotive was named the scared virginians the troops everywhere cheered him with warm enthusiasm october thirteen the cavalry raid of the rebel general stuart around our entire army into maryland and pennsylvania and back again crossing the potomac without serious loss is the one theme of conversation it was audacious and brilliant on his return stuart passed within five miles of mcclellan's headquarters which were separated from the rest of the troops by half a mile and guarded only by a new york regiment some of the staff officers are very indignant when they are told that stuart knew the interests of the rebels too well to capture our commander charlestown virginia october sixteen a reconnaissance to the front commanded by general hancock the column moved briskly over the broad turnpike through ample fields rich with shocks of corn past stately farmhouses with deep shade trees and orchards by gray barns surrounded by hay and grain stacks beyond our lines over the debatable ground past the rebel picket stations in sight of charlestown and yet no enemy appeared dodging rebel cannon balls 
we began to think confederates a myth but suddenly a gun belched forth in front of us another and yet another and rifled shot came singing by cutting through the tree branches with sharp incisive music two of our batteries instantly unlimbered and replied our column filled the road nearly all the rebel missiles struck in an apple orchard within twenty yards of the turnpike but our men would persist in climbing the trees and gathering the fruit in spite of the shrieking shells i have not yet learned to avoid bowing my head instinctively as a shot screams by but some old stagers sit perfectly erect and laughingly remind me of napoleon's remark to a young officer my friend if that shell were really your fate it would hit you and kill you if you were a hundred feet underground we could plainly see the rebel cavalry far in advance of all others was a rider on a milk-white horse which made him a conspicuous mark the sharpshooters tried in vain to pick him off while he sat viewing the artillery drill as complacently as if enjoying a pantomime some of our officers declare that they have seen that identical steed and rider on the rebel front in every fight from yorktown to antietam after an artillery fire of an hour in which we lost eight or ten men the rebels evacuated charlestown and we entered his soul is marching on the troops take a very keen interest in everything connected with the historic old man who two years ago yielded up his life in a field which is near our camp they visit it by hundreds and pour into the courthouse now open and deserted where he was tried and made that wonderful speech which will never die they scan closely the jail where he wrote and spoke so many electric words as our column passed it one countenance only was visible within that of a negro looking through a grated window how his dusky face lit up behind its prison bars at the sight of our column and the words his soul is marching on sung by a pennsylvania regiment an eminently intelligent contraband our pickets described a solitary horseman with a basket on his arm jogging soberly toward them he proved a dark mulatto of about thirty-five and halted at their order where are you from southern army cap'n where are you going going to use all what do you want protection boss you won't send me back will you no come in whose servant are you cap'n retz of south caroliny you's heard of mr barnwell gret editor of the charleston mercury cap'n is his brother and commands a battery how did you get away cap'n gave me fifteen dollars this morning he said john go out and forge for butter and eggs so you see boss with a broad grin eyes out foraging i pulled my hat over my eyes and jogged along on the cap'n's horse with this basket on my arm right by our pickets they never challenged me once if they had i should have shown them this and he produced from his pocket an order in pencil from captain rett to pass his servant john on horseback in search of butter and eggs why did you expect protection heard so in maryland before the proclamation what do you know about the proclamation read it sir in a richmond paper 
what is it that every slave is to be emancipated after the first day of next january isn't that it boss something like it how did you learn to read a new york lady stopping at the hotel taught me did you ever hear of old john brown heard of him lord bless you yes i've his life now in my trunk in charleston i've read it to heaps of colored folks they think john brown was almost a god just say you are a friend of his and any slave will kiss your feet if you will let him they think if he was only alive now he would be king how he did frighten the white folks it was sunday morning i was a waiter at the mills house in charleston a lady from massachusetts breakfasted at my table john she says i want to see a negro church where is the best one not any open today missus i told her why not because a mr john brown has raised an insurrection in virginia and they don't let the negroes go into the street today well she says they had better look out or they will get their white churches shut up too one of these days the lord bless you general this truly intelligent contraband being taken to mcclellan replied very modestly and intelligently to questions about the numbers and organization of the rebel army at the close of the interview he asked anxiously general you won't send me back will you yes replied mcclellan with a smile i believe i will i hope you won't general with great earnestness i come to use all for protection and i hope you won't well then john you are at liberty to stay with the army if you like or to go where you please no one can ever make you a slave again may the lord bless you general i thought you wouldn't drive me out you're the best friend i ever had i shall never forget you till i die boulevard heights october twenty five the view from the mountains at harper's ferry said thomas jefferson is worth a journey across the atlantic curiosities of the signal corps let us approach it at the lower price of climbing maryland heights the air is soft and wooing to-day it is the time just ere the frost repairs to pave old winter's way when autumn in a reverie lost the mellow daylight dreams away when summer comes in musing mind to gaze once more on hill and dell to mark how many sheaves they bind and see if all are ripened well halfway up the mountain you rest your panting horse at a battery among bottle-shaped dahlgreens sure at thirty-five hundred yards incapable at their utmost elevation of a range of three miles and a half black solemn parrots with iron-banded breech and shining howitzers of brass far up accessible only to footmen is a long breastwork where two of our companions repulsed a rebel regiment how high the tide of war must run when its waves wash this mountain top here on the extreme summit is an open tent of the signal corps it is labeled don't touch the instruments ask no questions inside two operators are gazing at the distant heights through fixed telescopes calling out forty five one sixty nine eighty one etc which the clerk records each number represents a letter syllable or abbreviated word 
looking through the long glass toward one of the seven signal stations from four to twenty miles away communicating with this you see a flag with some large black figure upon a white foreground it rises so many waves to the right so many to the left then a different flag takes its place and rises and falls in turn by these combinations from one to three words per minute are telegraphed the operator slowly reads the distant signals to you two hundred rebel cavalry riding out of charlestown this way field piece on road and it occupies five minutes five miles is an easy distance to communicate but messages can be seen twenty miles the signal corps keep on the front their services are of great value several of the members have been wounded and some killed beautiful view from maryland heights you are on the highest point of the blue ridge four thousand feet above the sea one thousand above the potomac along the path by which you come climbs a pony on the pony's back a negro on the negro's head a bucket of water then a mule bearing a coffee sack containing at each end a keg of water thus all provisions are brought up here in the early morning you could only look out upon a cold shoreless sea of white fog now you look down upon all the country within a radius of twenty miles as you would gaze into your garden from your own housetop you see the potomac winding far away in a thread of silver broken by shrubs rocks and islands at your feet lies pleasant valley a great furrow two miles across from edge to edge ploughed through the mountains it is full of camps white villages of tents and black groups of guns you see cosy dwellings with great well-filled barns red brick mills straw-colored fields dotted with shocks of corn and reaching far up into the dark hillside woods green sward fields mottled with orchards and a little shining stream a dim haze rests upon the mountain guarded picture and the soft wind seems to sing with whittier yet calm and patient nature keeps her ancient promise well though o'er her bloom and greenness sweeps the battle's breath of hell and still she walks in golden hours through harvest happy farms and still she wears her fruits and flowers like jewels on her arms still in the cannon's pause we heard her sweet thanksgiving psalm too near to god for doubt or fear she shares the eternal calm she sees with clearer eye than ours the good of suffering born the hearts that blossom like her flowers and ripen like her corn see the regiments on dress parade long lines of dark blue with bayonets that flash brightly in the waning sunlight when dismissed each breaks into companies which move toward their quarters like monster antediluvian reptiles with myriads of blue legs burnside at his tent on that distant hillside just at the forest's edge in the midst of a group of tents are burnside's headquarters through your field glass you see standing in front of them the military man whose ambition has a limit he has twice refused to accept the chief command of the army 
there stands burnside the favorite of the troops in blue shirt knit jacket and riding boots with frank manly face and full laughing eyes under your feet are boulevard heights crowned with the tents of couch's corps dingy by reason of long service like a spring snowdrift through which the dirt begins to sift you see the quaint old village of harper's ferry and glimpses of the potomac gold in the sunset with trees and rocks mirrored in its mellow face the sun goes down and the glory of the western hills fades as you slowly descend but the picture you have seen is one which memory paints in fast colors end of chapter twenty four recording by greg giordano newport ritchie florida